Welcome to the KC Digital Podcast. On this episode, I'll be talking about my lockdown so far and how the world has changed in these crazy times. And also, um, I've got kind of five tips in here around digital strategy that I believe businesses, brands, teams, small teams, individuals, I believe that these are all kind of applicable to people working during this period of time. Um, I'd also like to take this opportunity to say that this podcast is now in support of a charity called Calm, which is the campaign against living miserably. Um, these guys have basically a leading movement against suicide uh, for men under the age of 45. Um, basically, it works out something like 18 deaths every single day from suicide. And, and that has been emphasized and, and made worse even recently during um, lockdown and, and obviously a kind of a big burden on what's going on from a mental health perspective. So um, I'd like to take this opportunity to say that moving forward, my podcast, um, I'm not going to have a sponsor, but I'm going to have a, a charity that I'm going to be supporting and that I'm going to be promoting. That charity is going to be Calm. So if you'd like to find out more information about Calm, just visit thecalmzone.net and you'll be able to find out more. I hope you enjoy the episode and everyone stay safe. So let's get into it. Uh, This is the first podcast that I've recorded on my own in over a year. So forgive me if I ramble on and it sounds a bit weird, but normally I'm the second most interesting person in the room or on the podcast. And unfortunately, I'm going to have to try and take the mantle over of being... Uh, carrying this thing and, and hopefully bringing you guys value but uh, based on the research that I've done and some of the insights that I've got hopefully that's good to share with you guys but also there's a personal aspect to this where I'm going to share kind of how lockdown's been for me so far so um, you know thank you very much for listening to the podcast I hope you and your families are all safe and and sound during this this kind of strange time of, of COVID-19 taking over um, since I published my last podcast actually I think it was in March um 16th of march i think it might have been the last the last time that i published a case study uh sorry a podcast and it you know it's just crazy how the situations moved so quickly it feels like we're in a, in a movie or something um unfortunately it we're not <laughs> it's you know it's affecting it's real and it's affecting a lot of families and a lot of people globally um i think it's affecting every aspect of our life and you know in reality and and that's something that I don't think anybody could have foreseen it at the beginning, but, you know, we're at where we're at. I wanted to try and use this time to, you know, this time while I'm, I've got a bit of time on my hands to, to kind of create a piece of content, which I believe will hopefully be as if I'm sat in the room giving consultancy to a business or an agency or a team or my team or anybody that I'm working with. Some tips that I'd like to put across. But before we get into that, um, I'm just going to run through kind of, a quick overview about what's happened during my my lockdown. It's been a bit of an up and down time. Um, I'm recording this at the end of April, so I'm sure there's going to be a lot of things that change over the next couple of weeks and the next couple of months. But uh, where we stand right now, it's the end of April. Um, I think for me, you know, a lot of people have shown the true colours during this period of time in, in a positive way, some negative, but I think the overriding kind of positive response um, from especially people in the UK, and that's that's what I'm closest to, so that's all I can comment on, really. Um, you know, starting this podcast by saying, you know, big shout-out to everybody in the NHS, all the care workers and the key workers 
I think we're very lucky in our country to have such a committed kind of medical staff and also people putting their lives on the line. I know that's happening everywhere, but, you know, the NHS, it, you know, they're underfunded and there's so many like kind of issues with it from an organisational perspective. But the people who are working on the front line, the doctors, the nurses, the frontline staff, you know, the response has been amazing and, and, you know, hats off to all those people. I think the public response to the NHS as well has been brilliant. And I think that finally the people who deserve that kind of recognition that I think has been lacking for a very long time in society, you know, it's really good that that's starting to come through. I think there are some good. Um, I think looking at what's going on in other countries, I think we've done all right. You know, I, I believe that it's a difficult situation that no one saw this coming whatsoever. So there's no way that anybody could have prepared for it. I think the government in reality has reacted as best they can, given the circumstances and, you know, the, all the experts that they've got involved. The daily briefings are a bit, they're a bit grim, to be fair, because it's got, you know, we're almost taking it for granted that this, you know, it's just a number now, and there's 600 or 300 or 800, and, and they're people's lives and families and all the people that are affected by that. So I think going through that and, and seeing that every single day is quite a sobering fact. And I think when you sit down and really realise what, what is being said every single day, you can see what we've got on our hands and, and that we actually, you know, do, we've got to fight on our hands to get back to normal life. But I, I believe that we will do that and I'm sure we'll get through it as, an, as a nation, as a country. Um, I think I, during this period of time, I, I've I've been as productive as I could be. Um, I was I was working all the way up until the middle of April uh, where a lot of the time was on Zoom calls and um, a lot of client calls were cancelled because it was kind of early stage and and mainly like internal meetings, making sure that we got the performance and paid activity, digital marketing activity, any of the website projects and anything else like that going on. Um, since the, the middle of April, I've been on furlough. So it's kind of like flipped on its head where my, me and my wife have, have been trying to balance looking after two kids as well as uh, work, both working um, to me being basically a stay-at-home dad, which has been <laughs> equally as challenging. But uh, when both me and my wife were working, we had like a bit of a rotor. She's a lot more structured than I am. Um, and basically 7 a.m. start for the, from from a rotor perspective, but because we've got two young kids, you know, up anything between half five and six o'clock. Um, then 7 a.m. starting the rotor and basically one of us would start working, one would look after the kids for two or three hours and then we'd do switching throughout and, and just juggling kind of a one-year-old and a four-year-old. Any parent will, 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 will know exactly what I'm talking about. That You know, it's been a lot of ups and downs, a lot of tantrums, a lot of spending a lot of time and, and kids being cooped in. The weather's been amazing, so we've been able to get them out and, you know, to, to kind of burn some of that energy and some of that enthusiasm that they've got. Um, but all in all, I've enjoyed, you know, spending time with my kids and, and I've not actually spent this amount of time with them since they were, you know, since I was on paternity leave. So I can't really complain, you know, it's good to get that one-on-one -on -one time and, and I'll remember this period of time for a lot for this time that I'm spending with my kids. Um, I definitely think that I'm not cut out with this long-term though. Hats off to anybody that has been on maternity leave and any woman out there that has, has you know, been through the struggle uh it is real so hats off to you guys and and you know now we're cracking on and and basically i'm keeping myself active I'm, I'm trying to produce as much of my own content as possible 
I've been in a lot of conversations with Calm, the charity that is now going to be uh, the charity that is um, I'm supporting in this podcast moving forward. I'm going to try and see how I can raise money for those guys. I've got a challenge coming up where I'm going to be um, running a marathon in May, um, which is basically going to be using the government guidelines where it's an hour's exercise every day. I'm going to go for a run kind of every other day or whatever and just basically work that up to about 42k so check out my social media if you'd like to donate towards that and hopefully we can raise some money for them because essentially it's a business that works with suicide in men and which is you know when i start to talk about it with people um sometimes a bit of a grim subject but i think it's something that i have been associated with for kind of 15 years now uh, through my family and it's something that I'm very comfortable in talking about, about mental health and about my own mental health and, and what my experiences are. But also, I think that it's something that we all need to talk about as, as a society. I don't think mental health has quite caught up with, you know, the other sciences that we've got out there and 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 how we approach things, I think, isn't is kind of outdated. I think businesses like Karma are just doing a brilliant job. But one thing that this pandemic has brought on is, an increased focus and an increased pressure towards mental health. I've certainly felt it while I've been off trying to juggle kids and the work and then my own projects and podcasts and content creation. You know, it, I think anybody during this period of time, mental health is is a concern. Some people are, are kind of more susceptible to these types of things than others. So um, after speaking to the guys at Calm and the fundraising manager there, she basically said that they've experienced the surging calls in the helpline. It's about 37% up in their daily calls. So um, this is obviously a charity which which is always looking to try and raise more money and you know the demand is going to continue to grow. Um, the word unprecedented has been used a lot during this pandemic. It's almost an unprecedented pandemic in my eyes because I've just heard that word so much. Um, but it's certainly the case with these guys. So every single week, thousands of people are calling the support line. They need help. They need you know, that that bit of advice, um, whether it's somebody going through it themselves or somebody like a, a family or a family member who's concerned about somebody else in their family. Um, these guys are the people that are the people picking up the phone and making sure that those people get help. So I'm doing what I can to support them and put their name out there. I'm using my trying to use my platform for good and use my my kind of furlough time for good. So I'll be doing a bit of running. Uh, moving forward now, my podcast will be sponsored, um, not sponsored, sorry, um, in support of Calm. Um, and if you want to find out more information, visit thecalmzone.net um, and all the information's on there. I'm going to create a couple of just giving pages as well. So check out my social media if you want to help me with that. It's generally going to be on my Instagram and my LinkedIn. So uh, take a look at that. But basically, you know, any anything that, that is donated towards anything that I do, 100% of it is going to go to Calm. So Fingers crossed we can do some good during this period of time. Um, also on a lighter note, I've managed to got round, I've actually got around to building my own website. So after consulting people for the last 13 years about what they need to do for their digital strategy and their online strategy, I finally launched my own website, which is an absolute um, kind of travels travesty that I've not actually been able to do it up until now. But um, if you visit kc-digital.co.uk, um, I've uploaded some kind of initial content on there. All my podcasts are on there. I've got some blogs on there, some blogs that I've been working on during quarantine and some historic stuff that I've had over the last 12 months. Um, I've got some resources on there. I've got some plans on there to be putting on some guides and 
some templates and worksheets of what I've used while I've been working in agencies. So I can share that with um, with you guys and, and hopefully you can use that moving forward or use it as a base and then adapt it to what works for you. Um, and I'm going to continue to to record some podcasts. I did have about three lined up uh, pre-quarantine and pre-lockdown, but um, one of the podcast guests is on the other side of the world in Thailand, I think. Um, another guest um, is basically trying to keep his business going. There's a couple of other guests who I did have lined up, but we just had to put everything on hold. So I'm going to do a lot of those remotely, and hopefully I'll video some of those as well so I can stick them on YouTube or LinkedIn, and so you can watch them as well. So that's the summary of what my kind of lockdown has been. And I'm sure, you know, there, there are lots of stories out there and I'm, I'm really keen to kind of listen what your story is about lockdown. So please feel free to kind of contact me on LinkedIn um, or, an, or an Instagram direct message, you know, ping me a message. Let me know what you what you guys have kind of been experiencing during this period of time. I, like I said, I really think it's brought the best out of some people. And I, and I think that um, I think what it's probably shown me is that i've i've taken for granted that face-to-face time with the most important people so um you know send me your send me how you've been kind of coping with your lockdown uh kind of what's funny is always looking at like office setups and how people have this home office where they didn't previously have it or you might you know you might live in a flat or a smaller space or like me you've got you know two kids and you've got to kind of juggle everything so anything like that you know i want to hear it let me know and i'll try and feature it on the blog or on my social media i'll repost it if i can so um yeah so up until now um hopefully um we'll get out of this lockdown as soon as possible and start to get back to normal but for now i'm just going to run into the kind of five digital strategy tips that i'd like to put out there um to, to try and give people advice really you know it's 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 a difficult time for for a lot of different reasons and, and a lot of people are you know putting the brakes on things or you know not really sure on what decision to make and and what i'm trying to do with these five tips is just give you kind of five guiding principles and some content around this i'm going to put a blog up about this as well so more detailed content is going to be going into a blog which will be on my site uh, by the time this podcast airs so just visit my website and you'll see it on there, five digital strategy tips during quarantine. Um, so I'd like to start off um, with a conversation, which is an ongoing conversation and, and point number one, site speed. For me, site speed and getting your scores up has been a piece of advice that I've been giving to clients for such a long time now. I feel like a broken record, but it's so important and it's it's probably more important now than it ever has been. You know, you need to go in and you need to analyze your site speed and your performance on a regular basis. It's a massive area for improvement for most businesses that you talk to. And you often find that the businesses that are either at the top of Google or growing social media or, you know, they, they've got um, kind of good sales figures or good traffic and conversion figures, you often correlate that to site speed and what the customer experience is. If you've got a fast site, it really does improve, you know, your kind of conversion rate. So, for me, site speed is such a vital thing. Um, there's a couple of different tools that you can use out there. For me, what, what I'd like to recommend to people is that you have a benchmark month on month in terms of the scores that you work on. I generally recommend to use Google Page Insights, and that can give you your desktop and your mobile scores. Um, although not all of the information is relevant, and also you know, it's a score out of 100, so therefore 
you know, it's a good barometer for me that you can, you know, you can work on month on month, but you know, you, you, it's rare that you're going to get to a hundred, you know, it's more looking at kind of getting to the 50, 60 or 70 to 80 kind of category or, or at least in a marked improvement. The two most important metrics on that report as well, because it gives you a shed load of data as you, as you kind of scroll through. But the most important ones are the first contentful paint and the first meaningful paint. Those are the two metrics that you really want to be driving change for. That's what impacts the users. Generally, it's, it's what impacts the users on a mobile device, which means that you know most people are on mobile at the moment. So, um, you know, it's pro- if anything, it's probably like massively increase the amount of people on mobile devices and traffic that you can potentially get from that and the conversion that you can get from that so google page insights stick that into a google spreadsheet map that over a couple of months benchmark it do some activity to improve it and then you you know you've got that in there i also like to use a secondary tool uh, just to back things up because you can never trust one page speed tool i always like to use two or three but if i had to recommend another one to use it'd be gt metrics the reason why I would recommend this um, tool is just because all of the best developers that I've ever worked with have always recommended this tool. So I'm always standing on the shoulders of others with this recommendation. But, you know, it's it's something that it's almost the developer's tool where a lot of those guys can get meaningful insights on, on how you can improve your score. Uh, you get a grade out of like ABCD and also it gives you like a, a page, uh, page loading speed and it's really good from a from a giving a different angle to to the feedback and to the to the actions that are required. And again, I would benchmark the metrics that are on there, benchmark your grade, benchmark your page speed score for key pages like your home page and some conversion pages, and then you can go from there. But I think for me, that's those those are the two tools that when you start to optimize and improve the scores from the other side, the actual analytics and the results and the ROI that comes out the other side of those two tools they are definitely the strongest that I've ever seen. So um, those are the two tools that I'd recommend. Make sure that it's a monthly agenda. If you know, if, if SiteSpeed isn't on your monthly agenda with your developer, with your in-house team, or it's not on your roadmap or whatever, please just make sure that it's in there because it's a, it's a big old mountain to climb if you are behind people and you often find that the best businesses are working on their new customer acquisition as well as working on their conversion. And SiteSpeed is a massive part of that. So make sure that you're committing those retainer hours to it because it's it's kind of an ongoing process that kind of like SEO where you put the graft in and you put the grind in and you're optimizing your website code and your speed and over time you generally see the results, you know. Um, I think it kind of goes without saying that optimizing your images before you upload them on into your CMS and, and doing all, all the kind of web-friendly compression and all those things, that for me is just a given, but if your team isn't doing that or, you know, sometimes larger teams, you might not do that or there might be people that are less web savvy, but they're creating assets, you know, make sure that those images are optimized and make sure that you have guidelines with whoever creates the assets for your website. So that's a small one, but it is an own goal. If you, you know, if it's one of the most frustrating things for any SEO or any developer is, you know, they've done everything that they can do from a code base perspective, but you've, you know, you've not got an optimized image. That's just, it's just really basic. So make sure that gets taken care of. I'd also recommend that there's a, a blog post that's been kind of republished by Moz and been updated. Um, so if you go to if you Google Moz, um, why site speed is so important, revisited. Uh, that's the name of the blog, and it's just a really good blog, uh, long form content, and um, you can really get stuck into kind of the detail of it. So uh, for me, I'd definitely say that you know the the kind of 
recommendations that I'm putting forward, a lot of that is articulated very well on Moz. And they've actually got some research on there and a graph that shows you that actually um, anything, you know, you need to be aiming for zero to four seconds in terms of your site speed benchmark. And also every time that you shave half a second or a second off your loading speed, it has a massive impact into your conversion rate. So if you're an e-commerce business right now and you, you know, you've, you've cut your media spend and you're not spending as much money on media and, and gaming traffic to your website has dropped, you know, converting the people that are there is, is really important. So site speed plays a massive role in that. So make sure point number one is site speed. So make sure you're taking a look at that on an ongoing basis. Next up on the list, number two, is conversion rate optimization. So this is an on, another ongoing process. And again, these are more guiding principles. But if you're not doing it and your excuse was always, we've not got the time to do this, we've not got the time to do this, now's the time to do conversion rate optimization to create some basic tests and and to learn some basic information about the data that you've got in a, in a less critical time. So it's often the case that when you're doing something like conversion rate optimization, you've got to kind of work on sensitive areas of the website. You've got to look at the customer journey. Um, you know, things that are the most important to the business. Um, you know, and the and the risk is the risk factor is quite high uh, when you're looking at the conversion rate. And um, so it might be the the checkout or a conversion landing page. If you start to mess with it, you know, it it, it kind of might your sales might drop but because there's less of a flow of traffic now and people are seeing you know a lot less kind of visits to the website or generally speaking you know traffic and and sales seem to be down in most verticals you know it's, it's, it's it is a good time to be doing conversion rate optimization and and i would say that generally speaking a lot of businesses will have reduced the spend in acquiring new customers you know marketing spend media spend uh, campaigns etc so in instead of spending that time and effort and budget on you know bringing traffic to your site like i said before convert the people that are your existing kind of hardcore visitors and, and also use this period of time to really do these split tests to make sure that you know your conversion rate is increasing so then when you come out of the other side of this and you just say you had a baseline conversion rate of two percent if you can do some conversion rate optimization work and then when you come out the other side of this pandemic and you know hopefully things start to get back to normal and traffic levels start to uh, kind of get a little bit of a boost and you 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 will then end up converting more people therefore your media you won't have to spend as much uh, money to acquire a new customer which for me is kind of a win-win situation so please make sure that you do that and if you're not sure on where to start here's a couple of tips on how to do that so when we're when I'm starting to talk to people about conversion rate optimization, I often like to map the customer journey using post-it notes or or a um, um, or a spreadsheet. You know, just kind of mapping it so it's very visual. And then what you do is you're looking at the key key areas on the site. What we'd normally do if we're working with a client is we'd print out A3 versions of their web pages. Um, or even sketch them uh, on a post-it note or whatever it might be on a whiteboard. Um, so obviously you're going to have to freestyle that at the moment with no kind of big boardrooms and people like big meetings with 14 people or whatever, but you'll figure that out for yourself and what works for you. But even if you just have a spreadsheet and just list out the things that are on the page, you then need to highlight the key areas that you want to split test and the key areas that you believe that, you know, you have the opportunity to improve. Make sure you're looking at the 
whatever you're going to be split testing, make sure that you're looking at that mobile experience first, because that is the key. That is the kind of key improvement that you need to be doing. Um, I think a very simple split test plan always starts with, you know, split testing one or two elements and just testing A versus B or A, B and C. And you're just looking at kind of really basic things like call to action button colors and call to action copy. You know, if you run that test for the next six weeks or eight weeks, you're going to get some good data to understand, actually. You know, you can make some very basic changes to your calls to action on product detail pages or forms or your homepage or different pages, you know, to make it more clear that actually this is just a basic UX requirement. You know, someone just noticing where the call to action button is and then being compelled to click through. For me, if you can get that and you can get people to convert during this difficult period of time, when you come out of it and people are more willing to kind of part with their cash or, or sign up or whatever it might be, for me, I think you'll be on to a win and you'll come out the other side quite strong. Um, and, you know, the kind of the, the last point on the, the kind of conversion rate optimization theme is is making sure that if you haven't already, make sure that you've got a split test data and a split test software um, ready to to kind of track all this because it, for me using these split test tools is the best way of, of doing a split test. Don't try and do it in like kind of a weird manual coding way. Um, if you can't afford paid tools like crazy egg or anything like that, use Google optimize for me, it's a free tool. It's really good. You know, you just have to get into the tool, understand how to use it and set it up on your website. But as a tool, like as it goes, I think that's a brilliant tool for you to be starting off with. And even if you don't have a budget or your your marketing spend is down at the moment, you don't have anything to spend on the website, you can set up Google Optimize without any developers. Um, if you've got Google Tag Manager, set everything up there, make sure it's all tagged up correctly, and then it works as a layer on top of the website. So you can split test elements without actually going to your dev team. So again, if, you know, if you've got lockdown budgets, that means that you'd be able to make split tests and, and look at things from a different perspective, do some split tests, improve your conversion rates, and, and then hopefully when you come off the back of this, you'll be coming out strong. Point number three or tip number three from me is, you know, adapting your paid strategy to be a lot more agile. I'm sure, you know, there's a lot of businesses out there that are spending less money on ads and, and campaigns and everything. And, you know, I've got a bit of research here that e-consultancy have published where, they said that I think it was something like 86% of UK-based marketers were now delaying or reviewing their campaigns, which was up from 55% in the middle of March. So that means that about 14% of activations are, are going ahead as planned, which, you know, I'm not surprised by that number. I think, you know, having 86% of stuff, you know, going on hold or, or being paused until a later date makes complete sense in a lot of ways. Um, but I think that, you know, what what it is doing, if you are stopping those campaigns, it is, you know, unless you, you know, unless your teams are on furlough and, and if you do have resource available, I would say that, you know, using that team to then anybody that, that is kind of working within a paid environment, I think it now's a great time to really be doing some detailed analysis of what's going on with your audience and your personas and, and almost like reviewing and recapping who the personas are that you're actually converting, which ones aren't worth going after. Um, I'd say that a lot of people's buying habits have changed recently. And even those customers that you believe that 
you know, you think you know really well and, you know, the regular customers and keep coming back and purchasing. I, be- I believe that their habits will have changed. You know, the, the people who, who are continuously using their um, their disposable income to, to come back to your brand each month and, and, and buy that product or get that subscription or from a B2B perspective, you know, the partnerships that you might have in place, you know, I think those habits are going to change over time. And I think having a mosaic or, or at least a persona map of, of each of the individual personas or subsets of personas that are really important. Now's a really good time for that pay team to really dig into the data, go back into tools like Facebook, LinkedIn, and obviously Google AdWords and doing some more demographic and persona-led research. That You know, the stuff that I've not got time to do that or we never have time to do that, that, that excuse, as far as I'm concerned, has gone out the window. So creating that agility in your pay strategy is really important but knowing your customer and knowing your audience has always been a factor that you know that that is in marketing and will continue to be in marketing whether it's a pandemic or not you need to know the audience you need to know how they're behaving now you can't just sit there and go we're not getting the sales that we used to what are you doing about it and what are you doing to really understand how your customer is is kind of going through this period of time um, I think it's really important to review what content you're putting out there at the moment as well. Um, there was a study from Pattern89, which was a paid social content strategy uh, kind of case study where they were looking at the content that's being pushed out. And they looked at over a thousand brands and advertisers who were active on Facebook and Instagram. So um, they've probably gone into the Facebook ad tool, ad platform tool, where you can see what other people's ads look like. And they've gone on there and they've basically seen that there are 27% fewer images and videos of models displaying human interaction than human content. Um, Now, obviously, working for a content agency at 77, um, I know what the the kind of ongoing content creation struggles like there where, you know, you're organizing models and having shoots. Sometimes there's, you know, over 10 people on a set. Those things aren't happening anymore. And and the same thing's happening from a 77 perspective where the content creations change. And, you know, people are having to adapt their content strategy and work with what they've got. Or, you know, in some instances, there's a lot of businesses using, um, you know, using stock imagery or using imagery that is less engaging. And, And for me, I just, I just don't, I don't know. It doesn't sit well with me. I don't think that's right. I think you should be reviewing your content strategy and seeing what the best opportunity is for creating content for your ads during this period of time is. Um, apparently, and this was during the time of this research, apparently these um, stock imagery and imagery of people washing their hands up to six times more than there ever has been. I'm sorry, but this is not, en- that is, this is not engaging or interesting content. And, um, it's just lazy and it's just stock and it's just kind of not very well thought out. If you are going to look at your content and you're struggling for assets and imagery, I'd use user generated content. I'd put it out there to your customers and you create top of the funnel or even middle and bottom of the funnel content based off user generated content to see, you know, what, what your users are actually doing during lockdown, you know, creating a little bit more engagement around that, that content um, you know the the products in different places and and how people are coping during this period of time and, and using content like that for me user generated content from the data that we see does perform well um, and it does get does get sales and does get kind of middle of the funnel engagement so 
it's always good to make sure that you've got that part of, as part of your kind of content mix. Um, and just using stock imagery, I'm, I'm sorry, it'll never be acceptable. So make sure that you've got a strategy to, to kind of come up with some good engaging content. Um, and I think that when you also get time like this from a paid perspective, I think it's really important to have a look at almost like taking a, a snapshot or a review over the last six months or 12 months and understanding what's really driving the top line sales and what's driving growth in, in, in the kind of funnel. So for me, you know, a big part of this kind of agility in your pay strategy is using that time to actually analyze your, your, your kind of pre-pandemic funnel. What was the data looking like? You know, what channels were driving the most growth? And, and then also, what's happened during the pandemic and 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 what's the difference between those two data sets and seeing which stage of the funnel is, is actually you know generating new customer acquisition or whatever your kind of goals are that you're working towards we often find that you know you, you often use a combination of pay channels in, in kind of working together to to generate a sale uh, that's generally how we see things working at the moment and um, you know four to kind of six maybe even up to eight engagements with a, with a brand before you actually convert that's the data coming out of google and facebook so we need to make sure that especially at the moment because there's a lot of people cutting media budgets or you may have already done so so you might have cut the budget of a channel which is actually driving the actual sales but from an attribution perspective you might not be clear on which one is is actually you know, driving that that kind of change. So before you're making decisions on cutting media spend, or if you've cut the media spend and you've fallen off a cliff, you know, it might be because you've got, you know, you've not got your bottom of the funnel retargeting strategy, or you're not sure on which channel was contributing in the attribution model. So go back, take a look at your attribution model, see what's driving the most the most change and the most kind of working towards your your kind of overall objectives um, and seeing how that attribution works and then and then doing some analysis of what happened before this kind of COVID-19 and then uh, what's happened since then. For me, you know, the thing that I would always recommend to anybody is retargeting campaigns based off the traffic set and data set that you've got existing. You can run retargeting, you know, up to three months and, and you can basically – I give you the biggest shot of a return on investment if you are going to spend money on media spend. So if there are people that have added things to the basket, maybe people are waiting until the you know the April payday to actually buy something. I know there are certain industries like we've got a couple of clients who are absolutely flying at the moment. So those guys are less of a concern. They're they're actually putting more media spend into it. But it's for those people who have either cut the media spend or re, you know reduced it like more than half their media spend. Those bottom of the funnel campaigns are the ones, you know, laps customers or customers that you've not you're not engaged with for a while, cart abandoners, people who viewed products, people who've looked at forms, that kind of stuff. That's where you should be spending your money. That's where you know, that's really where you know a lot of the paid media spend for me will generate an ROI, and I've seen it during this period of time. So having that kind of agile paid strategy. But also using the team and using using that resource to actually go through the data, analyze the data correctly, do all the things that they don't, you know, that they always say that they've not got the time to do or they've not got hours in the retainer or whatever it might be. You know, we should be looking at and really analyzing this kind of page strategy and making sure that it's maximizing during this period of time. Number four is email marketing is old, but it's gold. Um 
there's a report out from BounceX, which is an email conversion report, and it's got lots of different stats on there. It's got website stats as well. It's called the COVID-19 Retail Pulse Study, which is a bit of a mouthful. Um, but yeah, BounceX COVID-19 Retail Pulse Study. So what they've done is they've they've basically gone through and, and looked at what kind of email conversions, email revenue, website conversions and revenue, both in the US and in the UK. And they've been looking at brands and they've been looking at how people have been um, converting and what channels are actually converting higher. And, and it seems that email marketing has is having a bit of an Indian summer with this one because we, you know, it's I've always said that email marketing, it was one of my first jobs when I first started out in this industry. You know, you, you're essentially marketing to a pre-engaged list. So therefore, it should be if you've got a good program, that should just run on rails and you should you know, make sure that you're kind of targeting that audience with some really strong messages during that period of time. Um, apparently, the report says that a lot of people's, um, a lot of the reason behind the email marketing being a really strong channel at the moment is because people have a lot more time in their hands. They're actually engaging with emails. They're actually reading it as something new that's coming through, uh, whereas before it was just noise on top of everything else that's going on. But because there's a slight chill in in some of the other activity you know people are definitely getting more time to read their emails so send but just sending out any old messages is just not good enough it's similar to the the content in paid social you need to adapt it for what's going on at the moment and the times that's going on at the moment so make sure that you've got targeted messages that are curated to the audiences and that's always been the winning formula that was the winning formula 10 years ago when i was doing bingo emails and casino emails poker and um, horse racing and football back in the betting and gaming industry days when I used to work for Betfred. Um, you know, targeted messages to curated audiences. That's it. You know, it's, it's it's not really changed, but what you can do now is create some really interesting content and some compelling messages to send out to your audiences that's actually a little bit more than just sell, sell, sell. You know, it's more of a um a human touch, a human approach. What are you doing about the pandemic? How you know if you can keep in contact with those customers during that period of time, I definitely feel that you're going to get some form of competitive advantage because it feels like you're in it together with your customers rather than just being silent and not doing anything. Um, and just lurking in the background is just not a good thing to do. So, you know, email marketing is a good way to kind of engage at a more human level and, and create some really good campaigns. I think if you can create some, some compelling content and campaigns to send out to people with emails being kind of the main vehicle of that, I think it will generate a really strong ROI. So emails are old, but the gold. Number five, um, for me, I think this is, you know, this is something that is just a, a standard thing anyway, but kind of SEO is important as ever. Um, you know, the the kind of fluctuation and, and the the kind of changing media spend, you know, going up and down for different businesses depending on what your situation is. Uh, for me, SEO is that kind of slow and steady uh, wins the race, and it always has been. And it's something that for most people who are listening to this and who have been investing in their SEO strategy over the last couple of years, if you've got a solid strategy and a roadmap and you're starting to you know, see, um, see the results for that this year because there have been a couple of algorithm updates, uh, core update and the birth update towards the end of last year, you're probably starting to see the benefit of that anyway. But I'm sure there's a lot of kind of smug SEOs out there, digital teams up and down the land, where um, they're kind of looking at the paid team like, yeah, we've got this, guys, don't worry. 
Um, but for me, I think you know the the key thing about SEO is that that you you kind of keeping on top of it. You're not doing any knee jerk, you know, decisions to to smash out a load of 500 word blog posts. If that's your strategy, stop now and please read something by an expert where you can find out a little bit more information. You know, we we really know that the SEO is is part of driving long term growth. And if you had a really solid SEO strategy at the start of this year, you're probably going to start to see the fruits of that labor when we're coming out of this pandemic from a keyword traction perspective, from a traffic perspective and a revenue perspective. So SEO is a channel that you should always be investing in anyway, but I think it's really important now more than ever because you're going to have a lot of people in your team with time on their hands and SEO is just all about investing in timing. So if your SEO strategy isn't up to scratch or you're unsure about what to do, I've basically just got three tips here that that are really basic kind of um, intro into getting you in the right path. Um, first and foremost, running a technical audit. If you're not running a monthly technical audit, similar to the site speed, in fact, the site speed is included in all of our client kind of monthly technical audits. Make sure that you're looking at your critical errors. Make sure you're looking at how you can improve your, your kind of overall health score. You can use paid tools for it, like Moz and SEMrush, but if you're on a budget and you've not really got any any cash to spend or anything like that, I definitely recommend that you just use Ubersuggest or Google Search Console can give you the insights that you need. Make sure you keep on top of those technical or technical issues through your technical audit. Some of it you don't even need a developer to do. It might just be, you know, meta title tags or urls or or content that's duplicated other things like that that you can just look at and just get fixed straight away so one of those technical audits and keeping on top of that is really important it's something that does get overlooked but most most seos will will be on top of that but again if you're not and, and you're kind of looking for where should we spend in our time as a, as a digital team for me that's always a good place to start because it is a you'll always see the benefits of it further down the line um the the kind of second recommendation when it comes to seo is making sure that you're scaling up your power post seo content now that is one of the geekiest things that i've said on this on this podcast and that's probably um you know quite an achievement because it's pretty geeky but um i think creating surface level content for seo has never really been a tactic that works properly you know, you, you need to be making sure that you're investing into that depth of content, that deeper level content that's going to really drive traction and get people interested in it and, and get people sharing it socially and, and get people linking to it from other sites. So um, I think looking at those, researching into those long-term game changes for you, creating unique and compelling content, that's always been the, the, the kind of um, most important thing to do. But I, I think that... A lot of people are just probably knee-jerking straight into creating SEO blogs and just smashing out. It's it's all about the number of blogs that they're smashing out rather than the quality and the curation of the actual content. Um, you know, really good blogs do take days to, to create, both from a um, research, from a writing perspective, from a, from a visual content that goes in there. Make sure that you put in the time in and make sure that you're doing that. If you're unsure or if you, if you want to find out... Uh, a kind of a, a more detailed step-by-step backlinko um how to write a blog post guide is is absolutely unreal it's like a 12-part special um and if you've got plenty of time on your hands at the moment during COVID-19 that's one of the things that I would say is my kind of top reads at the moment because a lot of people produce blog content but not a lot of people do it well so read that guide and I'm sure you'll be really good at it in no time 
Um, and the kind of third tip when it comes to SEO is just research these new and emerging trends that are coming in in your sector or your vertical. I think you need to adapt your strategy in the short term, especially towards that. Um, working with a couple of different brands, we were with homeware brands and different retail and fashion e-commerce. Um, you know, there's been little spikes in in demand and little kind of new verticals that have popped up that didn't really exist before. And I, and I think that a lot of the these new trends that are happening and, and people adapting um, to this situation of lockdown, because we don't know how long it's going to be happening, whether it's social distancing or whether it's, um, you know, the, the kind of country or, or multiple different um, countries, depending on your vertical, there are some little trends that are coming through. So get onto Google Trends, make sure you're having a look at what is coming through and, and see if there are any trends that you can really start to take advantage of and opportunities for you to adapt to your strategy. Um, so that might mean that you might need to change your page map, you know, your, your navigation, site links, your content strategy or your link building strategy. Um, I'm even seeing a lot more influencer work at the moment. You know, there's a lot more influencers being a lot more active on things like TikTok. And if you've never done TikTok or if you've never worked with influencers before, I think now's a really good time to be doing that because um, they're just like working on a lot of content. You know, you can get some some good links coming back. Um kind of emerging trends um, from a keyword perspective to adapt all of your sitemap and your content strategy. Those are the kinds of things that I'd be looking at as kind of more innovative guides and, and innovative things to be doing during this period of time from an SEO perspective on top of your day-to-day, which is, you know, your, your ongoing SEO strategy. Um, and if you, you know, if you want to find out more about SEO, I've got a beginner's guide to SEO on my website, which is Casey Digital casey-digital.co.uk um, and then it's also you can download that um we did it as a white paper on the 77 blog so if you just if you google um beginner's guide to seo 77 um or go onto the blog for 77 you'll be able to download it there and that's got everything that you need to to kind of understand the basics of seo and hopefully that'll help you during this period of time um you know nothing like a white paper during a pandemic to keep you keep your mind occupied um and that kind of ends the top five kind of roundup for me. So first and foremost, make sure that your site speed is is optimum for, for your website and your conversion, the place of conversion, because, you know, that's really important. It's always been important, but I think it's more important now than it ever has been, particularly on mobile uh, page speed. If you've got a good experience, people will convert. They'll stay with you as customers. Number two, conversion rate optimization. This is an ongoing thing, but make sure you're keeping on top of that. If you're not doing conversion rate optimization, now's the best time to do it because the flow of kind of traffic through to your site is a lot less than it ever has been. Third, you need to adapt your page strategy to be more agile and to adapt with the times, but but don't just cut it off. You know, Do the analysis, see what's driving revenue and see what's working and see how the channels are combining together before you make any decisions around your budgets. Number four, email marketing. It's old but gold. You know, if you invest the right amount of of time into your content and to your conversion path for your email marketing and target the right people in your audiences and and personas for that, I believe that you'll get a good return on investment at the moment. And then finally, SEO. Do the work on SEO. Make sure you're investing in those power posts. Make sure that you're looking at what the trending topics are and just keep on top of your website audits. Make sure everything's nice and tidy. So they're my top five tips during the COVID-19 outbreak and lockdown for, for kind of businesses from a digital strategy perspective. 
I hope that's useful for you guys. Thank you for listening to the KC Digital Podcast. This podcast is in support of Calm, who are a charity that I'm supporting with uh, my podcast moving forward. Uh, visit thecalmzone.net to donate or help or find out more information. Um, if you like this podcast, please take two minutes out of your time to leave a review or share it on social media. Um, tag me in there if you're going to ping it out there. Let me know what you think. And if you want more content, you know I've got podcasts, blogs, resources, Visit kc-digital.co.uk for more information. You can find me on social media. My handle is kcdigital on LinkedIn, Instagram, and on Twitter. Thank you again for listening. I really appreciate it. Take care, guys. Thank you.